Welcome to Calvary Live. We are so glad you could join us through our podcast. Here at Calvary, we want you to live life at the highest level through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We hope today's message will be an encouragement. I'm going to begin a series called The Power of Pursuit. Now, I've spoken on pursuit before. It's been some years ago when we had some incredible water baptism times. And uh, we're going to dig into this in a, in a deeper way today. I, I really sense uh, that the message I'm sharing today, these messages are, are not just a, uh, you know, everything out of the Word is good. But these, these messages are speaking to a specific moment in your life. Someone say, my life. In my life. These are prophetic messages speaking individually to you and corporately to us as a church. So, so why this message now? I'm convinced. I want you to hear, hear the introduction of this. Okay. You may hear it again. I want to make sure we grab this. I'm, I'm convinced as I pray, as I'm seeking God's direction for our church for now and where we're going, that we're entering a very unique moment here for Calvary. We're standing on this moment. Uh, I believe that beginning August through October, that God is putting a season together for us. That it is a time, uh, I would say a fresh season of spiritual growth in your life. It's a time, I believe, where God is wanting to renew your first love. It's a time where God is wanting to stretch your prayer life. It's a time where God is wanting to stir us to do some things differently than we've been doing in our daily routine. How many hear what I'm saying? It's a very unique time. I believe it's an appointed time that God is bringing together. Uh, when these divine moments happen, when God orchestrates uh, a time and a season, it's very important we understand what he's doing. It's very important that we respond properly to that moment. And so I'm, I'm beginning to share with us today the power of pursuit, pursuing. How do we pursue? What does it mean to pursue God in a very special season of your life? What makes this special, Pastor? Well, we, we, we see this last year in August, we had our first pursuit conference, three nights, a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We preceded it with three days of prayer and fasting. God so anointed that and used it so powerfully. We really knew it would, we, we were going to repeat that. And so August, I believe, as we begin next Sunday, praying over these students, I have a message that uh, about pursuing for our children that you need to hear. If you have children, if you have grandchildren, if you have nephews, if you have nieces, you have to hear what I'm going to share with you next week. We are in a season where the ordinary is not good enough. Average is not good enough. How many heard what I'm saying? Average is not good enough anymore. Ordinary is not good enough anymore. There is a wholehearted demonic assault against the children of this generation. And God is looking to his church to raise a standard up against that. Everybody with me? So I'm going to share that next week. And, and it is a passion that, that from heaven. And, and I'll try not to preach it today. Because that, that one of the things you have to understand as a pastor, when God lays out some direction for you, it's all in me. And I'm trying to just preach one of them at a time. How many understand that? You know, you, you, you got to, you better amen me and stay with me because I could really preach the whole series right now. You understand what I'm saying? I'm carrying six messages in the oven right now. How many understand that? So I could have sex tuplets right now. 
you understand what I'm saying. It's in there, it's on fire, and I'm trying to just pace it. So, so we take the steps together. It's very important. Uh, so we, we, we're moving in this prayer season in August. I really believe that, that any time prayer has ever been important to you, God wants to raise that level. And, and for us to understand how to pray together. So we're, we're launching this. We're, we're getting ready to move into those three days uh, pursuing God. It's not just meetings. It's not just something to do. I believe it's a divine appointment and we need to be ready for it. But then we, 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 that, then we get ready for October. It's, it's amazing. We, we will be hosting in this room the first step of what will become a national prayer movement. Think of that. In this room, God's entrusted us to take the first step of a national prayer movement where young prayer missionaries, which is a brand new concept, a new wineskin, will go to cities and pray 24 hours a day, 24 hours a day for 10 days at a place that will host it and embrace it. And, and, and uh, this whole state is being invited to come be a part of this. But we will make sure we do the best with it. And so out of that, uh, I, my prayer is, is that as we move into what we believe will be an awakening in this nation, I'm saying big terms today. How many understand that? I'm making big, bold statements. I'm aware of every one of them. Everything I say is recorded and documented, and you can check it out, all right? Uh, so understand the, the importance of it. So I believe that, that uh, when awakening comes to this nation, not if, but when, I believe God is going to give us one more chance. I believe there's going to be one more opportunity for America to connect with who we are and why God put us here. I believe that. And I believe these, these, this prayer siege that's being called will be looked at as a catalyst that began to stir in those many places. So uh, this season, August through October, let me say it again, I believe is a divine appointment. I believe God has entrusted us with this. I believe that it's going to be a fresh time for you. If you've been walking through some challenges, there's a refreshing that's coming. There's a recovery of lost things. There is a being given the things you need for the next season in your life. So you understand why it's very important to me to prepare us for that. And so that's the reason for these messages, the power of pursuit. Uh, as I said, we've, we've, we've spoken about pursuit before, but not in this context. So let's go to this passage, 1 Samuel 30 and verse number 1. I want you to follow along with me. I know it's here behind me. I'd love for you to highlight it on your device or underline it in your Bible. Uh, so let's look at this. 1 Samuel 30 and verse number 1. <clears throat> David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. Now, there's those three days again. There's something going on there. Anyway, David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. Now, the Amalekites had raided the Negev and Ziklag. They had attacked Ziklag and burned it and had taken captive the women and all who were in it, both young and old. <clears throat> Pardon me. They killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. When David and his men came to Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud. This army, these men, these strong warriors wept 
aloud until they had no strength left to weep. David's two wives had been captured. Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But look at the contrast. David found strength in the Lord his God. Then David said to Abiathar, the priest, the son of Ahimelech, bring me the ephod. Abiathar brought it to him. And David inquired of the Lord. Now I've got behind me the New King James translation. So let's, let's look at this. So David inquired of the Lord saying, shall I pursue this troop? What did he ask God? Shall I what? Pursue. Let me ask you again. What's the question? Shall I pursue? Shall I overtake them? What did God say in this moment? What did God say? Pursue. For you shall surely overtake them and without fail recover all. Leave that up. Do you see that promise when you pursue? Let me leave it up. Has the devil ever stolen anything from you? Has he ever stolen time from you? Has he ever stolen money from you? How many would love to get back all the stupid money in your life? You know what I'm talking about? Stupid money. You say, can you say that? I just said it twice. You know the money you did stupid things with before you knew Jesus. How many wish that was back in your hand? Time back in your hand. Relationship back in your hand. Choices back in your hand. Some of you that don't play golf, uh, these hacker golfers, like most of us are, their favorite thing is called a mulligan. I don't know who invented a mulligan, but it's a golfy thing that just means I get to try that shot over. How many ever wish you could try your shot over? How many need a spiritual mulligan in your life? Come on, tell the truth. All right? Let me ask you something even stronger. You don't have to raise your hand. How many of you need to give someone a mulligan? Let me ask, you got How many of us need to give somebody a mulligan? How many need to understand, look at this, that God wants to give us a season where we will have to pursue that has to happen. That's why I'm teaching this. Where we must pursue. But God says there is a season of pursuing in a divine moment. Not just any time, but when the moment's right. And we discern my action is to pursue. God says, I'm going to recover everything the devil ever took away from you. I'm going to recover that. How many like recovery? Can you say amen to that? Come on, let's get recovery. I think I'm going to stop at that point and let's begin to, to dive into some of this. So I'm going to come back to that passage in a moment, but let's look at this. <clears throat> so David is at, let's look at verse one. Let's go back. David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. Ziklag. How did David get to Ziklag? You remember his story. Let me quickly take you through it. He was a shepherd boy. He, he, he was watching his father's sheep. Saul had become the first king of Israel and, and, and Saul had failed miserably. The spirit of God had departed from him. And Samuel, the prophet that had anointed Saul grudgingly, he said, why do you need a king? God's your king. Israel said, we want to be like everyone else. How many heard what I just said? We want to be like everyone else. We don't want to depend on God. We want to mimic the people around us. 
Do you know that when you begin to substitute what man can do for what only God can do, your life is going to go in the wrong direction? Come on, now listen, I know it's the weekend before school starts, but punch somebody right now. I mean, kindly elbow somebody right now. Tell them, wake up, let's go. Come on, let's say, giddy up. Pastor, got those six sermons in there. Don't, don't take, don't tempt him today. Okay. So, so David was God's choice. Saul was man's choice. Saul failed. Saul lost the anointing. God sent Samuel to the home of Jesse and he said, one of your sons is going to be the next king. And it was amazing because the king should have been a family member. The king should have been an heir of Saul. The king should have been a son of Saul. But God said, I'm going to step outside the guidelines of man. I'm going to do something different than man would do it. Anybody with me? I'm going to choose somebody that you wouldn't choose. You keep looking on the outside, but God looks on the inside. I'm going to find someone whose heart is right before me. And so he chose David, a young shepherd boy that no one had heard of. Even his own family doubted him. You can read the account. But God said, he's my choice. And so David was was anointed and the oil of anointing poured on him and selected as God's choice. But it didn't happen instantly. He continued to care for sheep. And then one day his father said, you go check on your brothers. They're serving in the army. They're fighting the Philistines. They have a champion called Goliath. And David, the little shepherd boy, walks into the camp of, of Israel and hears the taunts of Goliath, the giant. And, and Israel runs from him. And it was the 40th day he had done that in a row. And David, the young shepherd boy, who on the outside was not impressive, but on the inside had a heart after God. David listened to the taunting of the giant that brought fear to the armies of God. And David's question was, what do I get when I kill him? He's a bad man. What do I get when I kill him? And he did. And then now he begins to rise to prominence. God is elevating him. God is doing something in his life. And King Saul begins to first look at David as an ally, but then because he recognizes the anointing on his life, he is jealous and envious. Can I tell you something? You need to understand there are going to be people in your life that will not understand the anointing and the favor that rests on your life. There are going to be people in your life who have lost the touch of God, who will attack the touch of God that's on your life. Anybody listening to me right now? There are people who aren't in church today because they lost the anointing of God on their life. But they are angry about those who are still in church carrying the anointing of God on their life. Anybody listening to me today? There are people in your family. Ashley, I'm going to tell you something today. Not everybody has changed in your life. You've graduated. You've met Jesus. She stood up here. But can I tell you something? The drug dealers are still dealing. The haters are still hating. The sinners are still sinning. The backsliders are still backsliding. But Ashley is different because she's met Jesus. And although some of the people around you don't change, you're different. You serve God and God will be big enough in your life. Amen? So David is has risen to prominence. Saul likes him. Saul sees God's hand. But after a while, he hears the people singing. Saul has slain his thousands, but David is tens of thousands. And that angry, demonic jealousy begins to take him. Saul says, I'm going to kill that man. Because if I don't, he's going to sit on my throne. And so David flees as a fugitive. He's innocent. There's nothing wrong with him. But a backslidden man deprived of the Spirit of God is jealous of God's hand on David. So David has been fleeing in the desert. And a band of men have come 
to him. He's there at a cave. Now, the people that came to him says they were in debt, (laughs) they were distressed, and they were depressed. Boy, what a lineup for people to come help you. Can you imagine? He's in the worst moment of his life. He's, he's anointed by God, but, but the backslidden king wants to kill him. David refuses to kill the king. He said, that God's hands, that's God's choice. I'll wait till God puts me in position. And so while he's waiting, here comes this band of misfits and say, we'll follow you. So David has this group. And they, they, they come back to where they were living at this time to Ziklag. Ziklag in the Hebrew means a place that is crooked or where life turns. There are moments in your life that you don't see coming. Everybody with me? That's why I'm teaching you pursue in a chosen moment. There are intersections in your life. There are crossroads in your life. There are places that feel crooked and messed up to you, but are really moments where you turn from where you are and go to where God has planned for you. So David's at Ziklag. He comes back. He's been away for three days. And when he arrives, the city's burned to the ground. The Amalekites, which I'll not go through, are, 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 are a band that have fought Israel from their beginning. A constant enemy. And he comes back. The city's burned to the ground. And their families are gone. Listen to me. They didn't kill the families, but they took their wives and children off with them. Why? Because they would be their slaves. There is a demonic attack against the home and children in our nation today to enslave them, not to kill them, but to enslave them to all manner of ungodly things. We better know who we are in this moment. We better understand what to do. So David and his men weep. These brave, strong men, that they're, they're, they're developing under David's leadership. And, and they're so distraught, they, they, they sat down in the ashes and the smoke and wept till they were out of strength. But I want you to begin to see something here. See, we just read his men became bitter. Do you know when you become bitter, bitterness is the fruit of hopelessness. When you lose hope, you become bitter. When you give up, you become bitter. When you don't think God can do what he said, you become bitter. When you walk into a moment like this and, 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 and you weren't expecting it and the world falls in your feet and it's a dark day, what you do in that moment will determine the rest of your life. Everybody with me? And so these men gave up that day. They became bitter. They lost their hope. They wanted to kill David. They forgot this man rescued them for nobody when nobody else would have them. They forgot what David had done for them. They forgot all the good things God had done for them through David. And so in their bitterness, in their frustration, they decided, I'm going to even kill David. Isn't it interesting how we keep blaming other people for our problems? Isn't it interesting that David was the only reason they had hope, and yet now they're angry, now they're disappointed, now they're hurting, and they're reacting. And so these men grew bitter because they forgot what David had done. Listen to me. And they let go of what God was about to do. You become bitter when you forget what God's done in your life or you let go of what he promised he's going to do in your life. Bitterness comes in. 
But what does David do? It's amazing. Let's look at this. We, we go to <clears throat> verse number six again. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. Here's the, the, the conjunction. Here, here's the ship. But David, look at this term here, found strength in the Lord is God. This, this translation says David strengthened himself. The King James says David encouraged himself in the Lord. Guys, listen to me. Do you know on your hard days you still have choices? Do you know in the tough moments you have decisions? Do you know that God gave you the ability to choose what to do when everything else around you falls at your feet? Do you know that we are not victims of circumstances? How many can say man to that? Do you know that we are not victims? We are not men and women who are here only because of what others have done. Do others affect us? Yes. But my decision, listen, your choice Your choice, your decision is greater than any other decision that's been made about you. You have the power and the right to choose. So while everyone is bitter and quitting and giving up and angry, David says, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to go find some strength. I'm going to encourage myself. Did you hear that? Sometimes there's no one else and you're going to have to encourage yourself. You're going to have to get away from the noise and encourage yourself. How do you encourage yourself? The Bible says in the Lord his God. You would, you, well, I would get into his word. I would turn off the junk and turn on the word. I would get in touch with what the word of God is saying. What does God say about my situation? What does the word say? Do you know why some people are so easily discouraged? Listen, I'm trying to help us today. Do you know why the devil can discourage you so easily? Because you know so little of his word. Do you know why you're such an easy target? Because you know more about Oprah and, 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 uh, uh, the Kardashians and the, the CNN and, 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 and Fox and you know all about that, but you don't know anything about Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. It's easy. You know, all that mess is there. All that doubt is there. All that junk is there. All that All that he said, she said, they said, we said. But what did God say? What did God say? What does the word say? How much you have put to memory? How, what, what, what could you do if your, if your battery runs out? What could you do if you can't access it? Can you quote some? Can you speak some? Can you say, well, you know, you know, I should have charged it, but I didn't. But I know this much. First John 4, 4 says, greater is one that's in me. Than the one that's in the world. Anybody believe that? Or you might go to 1 Corinthians 10, 13 and say, you know, the word says, there's no temptation taking me, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not let me be tempted above what I'm able, but will with the temptation provide a way out for me. How much word do you know? How much word do you know? What can you say? Jesus said, I've told you these things, so you might have peace. In this world, you'll have trouble, but take heart. I've overcome this world. On and on it goes. What does God say? How did David encourage himself? I think David pulled on some of his psalms and began to praise God. Anybody with me? He encouraged himself. He said, Lord, you know what? Although my mother and my father reject me, my God will never leave me. Greater is my God. Mighty is my God. You created the heavens and the earth. You're the God who is able. You're the God who is mighty. David encouraged himself in the Lord. And God began to work. Notice this. Look, 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 look at verse 6. It says, but... David found strength in the Lord his God. And then, verse 7 begins with then. Then. 
If I will encourage myself, I get a then. Then David says, look at the next thing David does. Look at his choices. David says, first, I'm going to go in the presence of God. I'm going to get in the word. I'm going to get in prayer. I'm going to praise him. And then I want you to see this. David, look at this, initiated the question. Did you hear what I said? David initiated the question. We're talking about pursuing. I'm talking about action. Anybody with me? I'm talking about what I do. I'm talking about my movement. I'm talking about the direction I'm going. I'm talking about making the right decision in a critical moment. David said, hey, can I go get them? Now, here's what a lot of people think serving Jesus is. Well, Lord, here I am. If you want me to do something, come get me. Lord, if you're going to heal me, you know where I am. Just come look me up. Lord, if you want to baptize me in the Holy Spirit, I mean, I'm not going to do anything, but if you want to, you, you know where I live, God. You can just come baptize me. Lord, if you want me to get over this problem, you send somebody right now. Get me out of this. David said, God, it's a tough day. Everybody for, forsaken me. I'm all alone here, but I've been thinking about you. I've been encouraging myself. Anybody with me this morning? I've been seeking the face of God. And so, God, I got a question for you. David initiated it. David initiated it. So, God, I want to know something. If I get up and go after them, instead of sit here in the ashes and complain and moan and gripe and, and give up and give in and get bitter, come on, anybody? He said, I got a question for you. See, this is what happens when you get in the presence of God. This is what happens when you have a discipline to say, this is rough, but God, I'm going to go to you. This is not easy, but I'm going to seek the Lord. Nobody else is going with me, but I'm still going to go into the presence of God. And when you begin to get in that place, it shifts the way you live. You're pursuing now. You pursued God. See, David went after God when nobody else was going after God. David David pursued when everybody else gave up. And in, in that moment that happened in the presence of God, he said, okay, so I got a question. Can I go get them? Can I go get this thing? Have you ever had a place when you're looking at your family and your friends and your neighbors and your health and all the devil's done to you and you say, you know, I I think I've had enough. How many have had enough? What does it take to have enough? Have you ever thought about how many times he's beat the brakes off people and they still don't have enough? Come on, don't look at me funny. Have you ever noticed how many people have been ripped off and stolen? He is the thief that comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and we just keep going through the routine. Every once in a while, somebody's got to get in the presence of God and be encouraged in the presence of God. And so shift the way they look at themselves and say, you know, I'm not a victim. I think I just might be the hero in this story. I'm not a victim. I'm not going to lay here and wallow around in Ziklag. I want to go to God. God, can I go get them? God, can I go get this thing? God, can we turn this thing around? God, is it possible? i got a question. Can I go pursue them? I don't know who's going to go with me, but can I go get them? You know, can I, can I challenge you? Can, when we begin to say, I'm going to go get my children. I'm going to go get my products. Hey, well, I don't mean you go grab them and pull them in. I'm on your knees in your prayer closet. I mean in a place where you say, you know, I've had, about had enough of this. Pursuit means I'm tired of ziklag. I'm going after my promise. I'm tired of the bitterness. I'm going after my promise. So David initiates this. I want you to see this. He said, shall I pursue this raiding party? Verse number eight, will I overtake them? What does God say? Come on, put that up, that verse eight. What does God say? God says, pursue, for you shall overtake them and without fail recover all. I believe God wants to speak a word over you in these next weeks that you're going to begin to recover all the enemies taken out of your life. 
It begins to happen when we get together and we're praying or believing and we begin to look at a situation and we're saying it's time to recover all. Listen to the meaning of recover or pursue, excuse me, pursue. It means that you, uh, you begin to follow after, that you aim to secure something, that you become very determined, I'm chasing this thing down. I'm going after this thing. I'm going to take hold of what God took hold of me. Anybody with me? I love this. If you, you, this is a common term in our, in our, uh, in, in our language and, and our usage today. One of the, listen to this. I'm just reading the Hebrew definition to pursue, to chase, to dog. I like that term. Any of you football players, sports and athletes, you ever hear somebody that talk about their teammate? They say, brother, he's a dog. How many understand that's a compliment, not an insult? He's a dog. What does it mean to be a dog? What's a, who's a big dog? I want some big dogs for God in this house. Come on. What's a dog? A dog means he's going to run till he gets you. And when he gets you, he's not going to let go. Come on. He said, you're a dog. You're a big dog. That boy's a dog. I want a dog on my team. Come on. How many understand what I'm talking about? We need to... How many understand what I'm talking about? Listen, Grandma. I don't want to hurt your feelings. You're a dog. You're just a dog, Grandma. Did you know your grandma's a dog? Do you know she's been on those knees praying for God, reading that Bible, underlining that Bible? Have you ever looked at your grandmother's Bible? Your grandmother's a dog. I'm telling you, she's bad. She's bad. You know, some of these pretty people, mm, mm, there's no dog in you. Come on, don't shout me down. Somebody needs to get some dog. You know, you're just too pretty and fancy. That, you're just too pretty. You know, you, you got that little, you know, you version. I got you version. And, and you, know, you, you know, you read a little verse a day. Well, you meant to read it, but you started on Facebook and you just forgot. You know? Oh, yeah, what was I going to do? Oh, read the Bible. Oh, look at TikTok. That Instagram, I love it. What? I can't stand her. (laughs) Who she thinks she is anyway, huh? And look at him. Good Lord. Look at his clothes. Is that his car? Look at her makeup. (laughs) Who did her hair? Ha! Tell him, yeah. Look, look. Then they come sit by in church. Hey, hey. Look at So good to see you. I was just thinking about you the other day. No dog in you. There's no holy dog in you. Huh? Have a hard time? You booked. Somebody sat in your chair at church, you booked. Somebody parked in your parking spot, you booked. I'm going down the street. They like me better there. There's going to be a day when you say, I've had enough. I've had enough. You burned my house down. You stole my family. My friends deserted me. I got nothing left, but I have you. And I'm going to go get you. I'm going to go get the presence of God. 
I'm going to get the presence of God. And somebody said, you hadn't been on Facebook in a while. You said, I hadn't had time. I've been dogging. I've been going after God. I've been chasing down the promises of God in my life. I've been going after this thing. God, I'm going to get it. Anybody with me, you see. So look at David's choices. See, here's what I want you to see. Why did he do that? Why in the darkest moment of his life did he say, I'm going to go for God? I'm going to pursue God. I'm going to go after what I've lost. Why did he ask that question? Because when he was a shepherd boy and the lion came, you know what he did? He pursued the sheep, the lion stole. And when the bear came, he pursued the bear that stole his sheep. And when he stood before the giant, he pursued the honor of God before the giant. So when he had that moment and everything crashed around him, it wasn't the first time he chose to pursue the presence of God. When nobody saw him, he was pursuing God. When nobody knew him, he was pursuing what the devil stole from him. When nobody liked him, he was pursuing what the devil stole from him. And there comes a point in your life where you begin to build a lifestyle that says, I'm going to pursue God. I'm going to go after God. In those moments, God steps in and you begin to see God do exceedingly abundantly above all you can ask or imagine let's read the rest of this account in chapter 30 I want us to drop down I believe I had you begin in in verse number uh, 16 first Samuel 30 16 so why do you go why do you pray why do you seek God why do you get in this moment how do we get in this moment why is pursuing this actively declaring I'm going after God this is why. Verse 16, 1 Samuel 30. He led David down and there they were, the Amalekites, who had stolen their families and burned their city. He, he, he led David down and there they were, scattered over the countryside, eating, drinking, and reveling because of the great amount of plunder they had taken from the land of the Philistines and from Judah. Can you imagine David, there they were, dancing with their wives, pulling a drunk, celebrating, eating their food, spending their money. Listen, guys, we've got to get our eyes off the personalities and get back engaged with the principalities that are trying to wreck and ruin our lives. And somewhere, sometime, when you begin to pursue God and decide there's more to me than laying in the ashes of my last defeat. There's more to me than laying in the soot of my past failure. I'm going to stand up. I'm going to encourage myself in God. I'm going to say it's not too late. I'm going to pursue. God said, go get it. I'm with you. You're going to get everything back. And somewhere, sometime in that pursuit, God's going to let you have a picture. And you're going to see the enemy celebrating over your loss. And something's going to rise up on the inside of you. And you're going to say, that's the last time I'm going to ever look at something like this. That's the last time I'm going to let the devil celebrate on my money. Is anybody here what I'm talking about? So what did David do? Verse 17, David fought, look at this, from dusk until the evening of the next day. 24 hours hand-to-hand combat. He fought the enemy that was there. Come on, how much is it worth us? How much is it worth? Is it worth some extra prayer? Is it worth some extra word? Is it worth some extra praise? Is it worth some praise when you don't feel like praising? Come on, anybody with me? 
Is it worth engaging an enemy that's been lying and deceiving? Is it worth us stop fighting one another? Stop playing politics? Stop pointing fingers at people that are different than us? Stop trying to judge somebody whose skin is different, whose political party's different, who, whose background is different, and say, you know, I got one enemy, and that's the enemy straight out of hell. It's the enemy Satan. I'm going to fight till I get what God's promised me. We're wasting our energy fighting the wrong thing. We need to know who we are. Listen to me. We're the only people on the planet who can wage spiritual warfare. Do you understand? Nobody else can do that. If you don't know the Lord, you can't fight a spiritual battle. If you don't have the weapons of heaven, hell can't be defeated. But you're the person in the PTA. You're the person in your neighborhood. You're the person in the marketplace. You're the person in your home. You're the person in a church that says, I know what's going on here. And I'm going to fight the battle that needs to be fought. Not these earthly things. So David fought the Thought them from dusk till the evening of the next day, and none of them got away, except 400 young men who rode off on camels and fled. So he killed the ones that stayed, and others left. Right? I'd like for you and me to get so. <laughs> I'll use what I've been saying. I'd like there be enough dog in us, where the devil said, "You know, I'm going go down the road. <laughs> that lady's going to bite me till I let go. I might as well let go now." You know, grandma's been hitting me. Now grandma's got granddaughter fighting this thing. Now grandma's got sonny boy fighting this thing. You know, so, hey, let me ask you something, sir. When are you going to stop letting somebody else carry you? Young man, when are you going to stop letting your mother pray you through? Young man, when are you going to stop letting your grandma pray you through? Sir, when are you going to stop letting your wife pray you through? It's time to pursue. It's time to pursue. It's time for the men of God to stand up and say, I'm going to learn how to pray. I'm going to begin to wage this war. I'm going to begin to fight this battle. Anybody listening to me today? Come on, I'm calling an army up to pray. Come on, we're going to do this thing. We're going to fight where the fight needs to happen. So they ran off. Now I want you to watch this. Watch closely. Look at verse 18. Why do we need to pursue? Because look what's at stake. Look what's at stake. David recovered everything the Amalekites had taken. Oh, come on. What did God say? You're going to get it back. You're going to get it back. Is it worth it? Are they worth the fight? Are they worth the prayer? Are they worth getting up a little early? Are they worth getting into your word? Is it worth laying some peripheral, temporary things down and grabbing hold of God? I'm telling you, God's taking us into a season that if we will discern it and pursue it and, and, and give what we should to it, we're going to bring something out of this. He reco- Look at this. I love it. David recovered everything the Amalekites had taken, including his two wives. Verse 19. Watch, watch what happens. Nothing was missing. Young or old, boy or girl, plunder or anything else they had taken, David brought everything back. Now let me see, let's, let's see what verse 20 says in this translation. You got reading the same thing. Okay. Now watch this. Watch, watch verse 20. You gotta, don't miss this. He took all the flocks and herds. Now remember, the Amalekites had been raiding that whole region, right? They, they had been, Ziklag was their last stop. They had already done what they did to Ziklag. In many other cities. So when David pursued them. To take back everything they had stolen from him. And he defeated them. All the things they had stolen from everybody else. Were there too. You with me? Okay. So so it happens. Verse 20. He took all the flocks. And the herds. And his men drove them ahead. 
of the other livestock, saying, this is David's. Do you understand what happened when he pursued them? He got back everything they had taken from him, plus more than he had ever had in the first place. What happened, for those that weren't willing to pursue, they lost it. For those who were willing to go after, it was over. But for those who were willing to pursue for David, this man who encouraged himself in the Lord, this man who said, hey, can I go do this? And God said, you better believe you can go do it. Get it all, David. And when David got there, he got all of his and more than he had in the beginning. So what am I saying? When we begin to pursue, when we begin to go after what the enemy has taken away from us, when we begin to say, I can pray like I've never prayed. I can know God like I've never known God. I can know him. I can walk with him. He can renew and restore. Break me out of this funk I've been living in. Break me out of this despair that I've been walking in. Break this cloud off of me. Restore the joy of the Lord. Come on, anybody with me? Begin revival in my heart and let me worship like I used to worship. David recovered all and more. What does that mean? That means he got everything the enemy had stolen, listen to me, and everything that God had promised him in that moment. God will give you everything you need for your next season if you're willing to pursue him right where you are. Everything you need for the next season. There's some things you will need in your next season that you'll never have till you pursue God. But when you do, you get back what you lost and everything that's necessary to go to the next season. Here, here's, here's what I want you to see. This is what happens when you pursue. The presence of God is restored in your life. The goodness of God, revival and awakening. What could be better than that? That's worth pursuing. Can somebody say amen to that? Where your prayer life's back on track. Your, your joy, your peace, the presence of God. You're praying like you used to pray. You love him like you used to love him. The joy of the Lord is back. The peace of God. You wake up in the morning and you know your family knows something's different about you. Come on. You're happier than you used to be. Not happy. The joy's back in your life. The compassion's back in your life. The goodness of God. The fresh touch of God on your life. Don't you love to be around somebody that's been in the presence of God? Don't you love to experience the freshness? So, so the presence of God is restored as you encourage yourself and seek God. Your family's restored. Come on, families, families. He got his family back, his wife, his children, everything the devil. Come on, let's claim our families right now. In the name of Jesus, breakthroughs came. He recovered all. God wants to bring your dignity back. Are you listening to me? God wants to restore your identity. God wants to restore everything, your purpose, your destiny. I believe God wants you to know it's not too late. You know what you started to do before in your life? You're going to do it again right now. You know what you thought was over? It's not over. It may be done in a different way. God will restore your call, your ministry, your courage, your purpose, more. Your enemies are going to be defeated. Oh, come on, come on, come on. Do you know, I'll share this. Do you know the very next chapter, Saul died? Do you know that when you say, I'm going to pursue God, that God will get your enemies out of your life? You know that enemy that's been your worst enemy? That thing that's been dogging you? That thing that's been, oh, it may not be a person. It may be a habit. It may be an addiction. It may be a relationship. 
It may be an open door. It may be a generational curse. I'm telling you, this is not the last chapter of your life. It's the chapter before the best chapter of your life. When you begin to pursue God, God kills your enemies. I'm not talking about people. I'm not saying God's going to kill your neighbor you don't like. I'm not saying God's going to kill your ex. Remember, I'm talking principalities, not personalities. I'm going to tell you, there's some long-standing big enemies that have been chasing you down, trying to ruin your life. And I'm here to tell you, when you pursue God, God says, you're a heart after my heart. I'm going to get that thing out of your life. It's time for you to move on past this thing that's been holding you down. God's timing is released in your life. God brings supernatural contacts and favor into your life. You step into your purpose. Courage is resurrected. I want you to stand. Come on, stand with me. Worship team, come. Come on, we're going to pray over this. Today Today is step one. Let's stand. We're going to pray. Step one in this season of pursuit that God's calling us in. Step one in this new season of pursuit. The enemy is a liar. Come on, somebody say amen to that. The devil's a liar. How do I know he's a liar? If his lips are moving, he's lying. If you're hearing something, he's lying. If he's telling you you can't, he's lying. The devil's lying because God's got a plan. You know what the enemy's afraid of? The enemy's afraid you are going to pursue. The enemy's afraid that you and I, I'll teach you more about this. But you know, every time there's a pursuit moment, God arranges in your life. Right before it, the devil has a demonic moment. He tries to stop you. Like David, the very next chapter, Saul's defeated. Two chapters after that, David is the king. But can you see in chapter 30, he tried to get David to quit, give up, walk off. Can I tell you something? God has some chapters already written for you that are good chapters, that are recovery chapters, breakthrough chapters. That thing you just put up with and say it's always going to be there, God says, no, I'm going to change that. I'm going to move that. I'm going to change that. Church family, that's the God we serve. That's who he is. This is step one in pursuit. I believe that if we can hear what God says and respond to what he says the right way, we're about to go into a new season. Your family, your home, your work, the marketplace, your marriage, your prayer life, the presence of God, your identity in Christ, this whole area. How many of you say, Pastor, I want to hear what God's saying right now? How many say, I want to be a pursuer? I want to pursue. I want to pursue God. I want to pursue Him. So I want us to pray. I want us to pray together right now. I want you to pray with me as we stand in this moment. And I just want you to say something like this. If you would, you choose. Like David, I want you to pray a prayer, something like this. It just says, God, I'm going to encourage myself in the Lord today. I'm going to take a new hold on you today, God. I'm not going to give up. I'm not going to go away. I'm not going to step out of this moment, God. I'm, I'm, gonna, I'm going to encourage myself in the Lord. God, I'm going to pursue you in this moment. Let's pray that. Father, right here, right now, as a family of God, Lord, as your church, but as every individual, we say to you, God, I'm going to pursue you today. God, I'm going to step into your purpose in my life. God, I'm going to step into this season. I, I recognize, God, that I didn't see it coming, but you've set it up. And for some more, it may be they're in their darkest moment, their hardest moment. But God, they recognize you're okay in that moment.
like David, God. They're saying, I'm going to encourage myself in the Lord. I'm going to find strength in God. And Lord, I pray for those that are in that moment right now, that they'll just make that choice. They'll just say like David, I know that I'm alone. I know that I'm forgotten. I know that even those around me may have forsaken me, but God, I'm going to find you right now. I'm going to pursue you right now. God, I'm going to get on my knees. I'm going to get in that word. I'm going to, I'm going to get some worship on God. I'm, I'm, God, if we understand it in this moment, God, put that, put that dog in me. God, put that pursuit in me. Put that grabbing of hold and not letting go in me. God, cause me right now to begin to say, God, I won't give up. God, I won't go back. God, I, I won't surrender. I'm in this moment, God, and I'm, I'm going after you with everything that's in my heart right now. So, God, I just praise you in the moment. God, I seek you in the moment. God, I know your plans are good. I know you promised me I can recover everything. So, God, for the sake of those that are going to recover, for the sake of what you've put me on this earth to do, God, I'm going to encourage myself in the Lord today. I'm going to rise up today. And I'm going to begin to pursue you today. God, there are times to weep, but there's times to stand up. There are times to grieve, but there are times to rise up. There are times, God, to, to cry till we have no more strength. And then there are days to rise up. Encourage ourselves in the Lord. God, that's that moment right now. And we thank you for it, God. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. You can connect with us live each Wednesday and Sunday through our social media pages. If today's message has blessed you, Please rate and review us so that more people can hear this message of Christ. Find out more about Calvary on our website at calvaryassembly.org.